Okay, turn to your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8 and 9. And uh, last week we were in Romans 3, and, and I want to reiterate something. I want to reiterate the fact that the cross, and, and you've all heard this phrase, the ground is level at Calvary, but, you know, it's so beautiful to know that, that the Lord will take those haughty, Religious people, self-righteous people, or those who who have had credentials, they've believed that credentials made them who they are, and he takes them and he has a he has a way of lowering them. You know, like Paul. He had a way of taking Paul's intellect and all his education and all of the things that he thought that made him who he was. And and Compared to Jesus, Paul said, they're all nothing. Because even though they all helped lead him to the one, compared to Jesus, no. They don't hold a candle. It's only Jesus saves. So what did Paul have to do? He had, he had to be thrown right to the ground almost. So the Lord has a way of lowering people who think they're a little more than, than who they are. And he has a way of bringing them to the cross to show them and then he has a way of taking, taking people who walked around saying, oh, but I'm worthless, I'm hopeless. He has a way of taking them and he can just lift them up and, and bring them to that level of Calvary. So, you know, what, what two words did you keep hearing last week that you needed to hear? And it was all-inclusive. It's a... Uh, um, yeah, well, what two words? Do you remember the two words last week that when you did Romans 3, these two words sure helped you and I to see that, yes, we're even one of the no one. No one is righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've all, we all need to get to that place that we see that that's me. And... Uh, Sometimes, you know, I know for my, me personally, I, that was the greatest day of my life when I realized I was one of them. I, you know, and here I was a good church kid, didn't cause my folks any trouble, and, and yet I had to see myself for the sinner I was. No one is righteous. So we saw that so clear last week, and Paul is, you know, he's putting himself right in there. Look at, we all need to come to the cross the same way. And then I, that question, I keep, I keep going over that. How bad is it if you don't see that you need a Savior and you just know all the, the facts, you know the story, but you know you never had to really make it yours. You didn't really need to live this every day because you're a good person and all that. Um, how, how bad is it if you don't make this story yours? How bad is it? I'm hearing all kinds of words. Yeah, devastating, um, lost. I hear a girl, girl last night, she just, she just said it right out loud and everybody heard, going to hell. I mean, she just said, oh boy, that's, that's really it. And to see the realization, you know? So um, those are things, this is godly counsel, this is godly wisdom, because this book is 66 books of everything that we need, and Romans 3 just kind of puts us in our place and helps us see, because if we don't see ourselves the way we truly are, we will never go to John 3.16 and think that that's ours. And I'm telling you, it is. God so loved Grace. God so loved Gerda. God so loved Linnell. Put your name there. That he gave his son because she was lost. And, who, uh, and, and if, she, if she believes, she isn't going to perish. In fact, she will have everlasting life. But see, it's like that Pharisee. It's that um, Simon the Pharisee. When, when he couldn't see, he could see the patheticness of the sinful woman. But when Jesus tried to say, hey, you know what? You're a $500 person, too. You're just as lost as she is. You know, and until you realize how lost you are, you're not going to love him and appreciate him and put him in his place and listen to his counsel. 
satisfied. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you know that only he could have done that, there is no other you can turn to for salvation, for guidance, for, for life, for strength. There's no other one. And when you, when you realize that, it, it does make a major change in your life. And that's what Paul says. I want you to see. And so now we move into this lesson today. And it's kind of wisdom's last. Solomon has been talking. He's been letting wisdom talk for herself. And, and in, in Proverbs 5 and 6, Proverbs um, and wisdom really spoke kind of harsh to his son. He's saying, son, I want you to know, <laughs> and maybe, you know, I, I'm sure it happened to men and women, but Solomon is saying to his son, um, I'll refer to sin as an adulteress because, you know, you might understand that analogy better. Because you know how that adulteress can just look so good and talk so good and smell so good and just lure you in. Well, that's what sin does. It appeals to your flesh. I mean, it was a terrific analogy. And so in Proverbs 5 and 6, he really talked about sin as an addiction. You are addicted to it. In your human nature, you are drawn to it. You want to listen to that voice. It, it is such a, a loud voice because it, it appeals to what you want. And so um, he, that's why he was really tough in those two chapters it was a brutal lesson on seeing sin and calling sin for what it is and know how, how addicted we are to it. We are addicted to sin and self. We want our own way. It's, it, is a, it is nothing short of an addiction. So what, it, what is the only power that's greater than addiction? You know, I tried to make it clear to you through personal stories that, that um, you know, when you try to overcome an addiction in your own strength, it doesn't work. So, you know, it's one thing with alcohol or, or um, drugs or whatever, but it is with sin too. You, have, you need to activate a greater power, the Holy Spirit, because otherwise if you try to fight temptation and that lure of sin on your own, you're going down. So now today he is going to try. You see, he's kind of finishing up wisdom's talking. This is the last time you're going to hear wisdom talking. And did you notice, did you notice in these chapters that, yeah, uh, that he refers to wisdom as she, her, you know. But did you notice who else he, he calls a her or a she? Folly. So, I mean, there, you know, and you're going to see that both of them are in the same place by you. And it's your choice. You can hear folly or you can hear wisdom, godly wisdom. And, and so um, we'll get more into that. So look at he says, Do, does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? In other words, I'm... Um, is wisdom hard to hear? If you, it, it's it's right there and it's calling out. I mean, I looked at that and I thought, boy, you know, it is not trying to be secretive or all that kind of thing. No, it's right there. It's calling out. But the big thing is, do I want to hear it or not? It is there. Remember we said that that wisdom follows you everywhere you go. It's whoever you're with. It's, it's whatever, whatever you're doing, wisdom is there. And it's calling out. It calls out. It wants you to listen to the right way of handling this situation. So I, I looked at that and I stopped and I thought, I thought, yeah, it's not trying to be secretive. No, it's calling out. The problem isn't wisdom. The problem is me. If I want to hear it or not, it is there and it's calling out. And where on the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. See, not only is, is she secretive, no, she's calling out to you. And not, if she's not trying to hide behind something. No, she's right out there. 
beside the gates leading to the city, and at the entrance, she cries aloud. So don't ever think that it's secretive and, and no, or hiding. And now wisdom is saying, okay, to you, O oh men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, this whole thing about being simple, it simply means those who've never been taught or those who haven't chosen to listen. So wherever a simple person is the one who the Holy Spirit has, well, maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't even live in their heart. You know, I have to say, I heard something a while back, and they were, they were saying, you need to invite, you know, with all the things going on in the world, you need to invite God into your dysfunctional situation. You need to invite God in there. And it was right about then, I'm saying, hold it, because you, you can't expect somebody to invite God into their life without, without, um, or into their situation until they've invited God into their life. You, you can't invite God because that's where people get all disillusioned because they think, oh, I just got to invite God and he's going to make everything fine. No. When does God listen? When does God hear? It's when, you, when, he's, when you're his child. And that's why the plan of salvation, the gospel message of Jesus, you know, it needs to be told over and over because people are just getting so misunderstood with God, thinking, well, I just got to invite him into this situation and he'll make everything right. But they might not even know him personally. It's only when you've been to the cross are you given his Holy Spirit who then will will talk into your ear and you can count on asking and seeking and knocking and he will answer. Do you follow what I'm saying here? You know, I think this is the general consensus nowadays is all you need is God. You just got to invite God in. No, you know what people are afraid of? Who, whose name are they afraid of talking about? Yeah, Jesus. And you need Jesus, you need his salvation, and you need his spirit. And then, then you invite God into your dysfunctional, and he can't wait. That's when, that's when ask and seek and knock. You know, people that don't understand that, and they, when they invite God into their dysfunction and he doesn't follow through with the way they expect it, that's why they say nuts to this. That don't work. See, we need that. We need that Romans 3. We need that Christianity 101. We need that gospel story 101 to be told over and over because you don't know who's sitting there that, that doesn't understand that. And I'm going to go over it again with you. Is this the gospel? Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Is that the entire gospel? No, it's not. No, the gospel story is when you know that you were a sinner and God, the Father, looked and said, I, I want to buy them back. I want to redeem them. I, I want to save them from all the sin's consequences. And the only, only way that could happen is through the shed blood of a perfect person. And so Jesus who didn't take his equal Godhead, something to hang on to, he said yes. He would, be the, he would be, become a human and live 33 years, and he would die on the cross. And yes, his blood did work, and it did save. But is that the end of the gospel? No, we have to have the resurrection in there. Otherwise, we're, we're still, we still um, have not experienced life. Jesus had to rise to overcome death. Is that the end of the gospel story? No, no. Then he had to go and ascend back into heaven and prepare a place for his children because what? He's coming back. Now there's the gospel story. And you can't just pick out little parts of it. That whole story is the story of Jesus. Write it on your heart. 
That's what this wisdom is all about, because that is what's going to change you. And you've got to start with Gospel 101. So often we get moving on to our, and I think that's why I brought this up so many times, why Billy Graham made sure there's certain people, uh, you know, like a Charles Stanley or David Jeremiah. I, I tell you, that's why I tell my boys all the time, don't you dare preach a sermon without Jesus in it. They always make sure, no matter what topic they're talking about or whatever topic they're addressing, they make sure that people know that you always have to go back to your gospel 101. You've got to go back to Christianity 101, and that's the cross of a Savior. So we go on, and it says that to you, O men, I raise my voice to all mankind, you who are simple, now gain prudence. Did you notice now the word is prudence? Before it was discernment, knowledge, intellect. I mean, we've heard many words and we've looked up many words. And you know what the bottom line to all those words are? God's wisdom, you've got to get prudence and intellect and knowledge and and. Um, you need these words because all of these words help you make right decisions. These words help you to make right choices, and it will keep your mouth shut when you need to keep it shut. It will make you think before you speak. It just, it just is, it, it keeps a protectiveness around you. And why? Why do we need that? Because we're human beings fallen sinful human beings that we need this we need this protection around us we need this prudence and into godly intellect and and spiritual understanding and spiritual knowledge because that keeps us making right choices you who are foolish come on you're making bad choices you're making bad decisions well how does that change by gaining an understanding and where does this understanding come from? From God's word. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I have worthy things to say. Now watch all the words that godly wisdom, he's saying you can count on it. They're worth it. They're right. I open my lips to speak what is right. That's what wisdom says. Hey, you can count on them to be worth it. You can count on them to be right. My mouth speaks what is true. My lips, wisdom's lips, you know, this is such a, a, a deep picture because wisdom is talking and it's describing herself and, and because she has lips because she talks. She speaks the truth. She speaks right. She speaks with prudence and understanding. And she detests wickedness. All the words of my mouth, they're just. None of them are crooked or perverse. And to those who are discerning, to those who like, like, you know, I really kind of believe that's us now. We want to know. We are, we are learning discernment. And he's saying to those who are discerning, you know what you're finding? Boy, this is good stuff. It's right. To those who are gaining more knowledge through God's mouth and his words, you know what you're finding? That those words are faultless. So, you know, wisdom says, okay, but you still got to choose. You've got to choose whether you want to hear this. It's right there, but you got to choose if you want to hear it. It says, choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice, choice gold. Why does he say that? Why do, or why does she say that? Why does wisdom say, I want you to choose, I want you to choose wisdom because what do we have a tendency to want to go to? Material things. You know, that's why, you know, it's more valuable than rubies. 
self is gravitated to the things of this world. And she is saying, no, godly wisdom is more valuable than anything that this world can offer. There is no better advice that can be given to you. I don't care how much news you listen to or who you decide to pick as your person that on, on the news that you can is trustworthy. Believe it or not, only godly wisdom is totally false and true, and we should be seeking it. It is more valuable than anyone or anything of this earth. I wisdom dwell together with prudence and possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I mean, that sense right there, to, to fear the Lord and, and I go back to last week's lesson where remember Paul was saying, you know, hey, there's been some fake news going around. There is some fake people who are saying that I'm preaching. I'm preaching a message that, oh, hey, go ahead and sin because that just shows how good God is. You're really doing God a favor by showing how good and great he is by your patheticness. And, and this is what cuts right to the chase. He's saying, no, if you fear the Lord... You're going to do the opposite. You don't want to hurt him. You don't want to sin. So when you fear the Lord, when you fear him, when you got him in his right place and you know what he's done for you in view of his great mercy and grace for you, you've offered yourself back to him to be obedient to, to what he, and you want to listen to his instruction. You want to do what he says. You want to please him in every way. So if you really do fear the Lord, he said, you're going to hate doing wrong. When James says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, he is saying, hate it. When you fall into your self-pattern again, hate it. Hate it that, that your countenance just turned crabby and negative and critical. Hate it. And then what do you do? You cling. You cling to what is good. You go back and get back in that right relationship. You get back into that asking and seeking and knocking for his will in your life. Because you have learned to hate when you fall back. I hate, wisdom says, wisdom says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. And then, then look at these next verses. Solomon, you can tell that, you know, he's writing this. Yes, he's got wisdom talking. But Solomon is, he, I believe that when Solomon wrote this, this is when he was walking in that right place with God. When God said, what do you want, Solomon? What do you need from me? I'll give you anything you want. And Solomon says, oh, I can't possibly govern this nation. I'm young. I don't know what I'm doing. So I need wisdom. And God gave it to him. And when he, when he, was, when he was in that right place, he was saying to his son, because he knew his son was probably it was going to be taken over for him someday. So he says, by me, wisdom, kings reign, and rulers make laws that are just. By me, wisdom, princes govern, and all nobles who rule on earth. So he's saying, I can't do it without godly wisdom. So I'm trying to teach you, listen, you can't do it without his godly wisdom. I don't care who you, you grow up to be. Yeah, you're Mr. King. You are, you're the highest power, and, and you've got all this wealth and all this fame and all this, you know, whatever. You need God's wisdom. Never lose track of who you are. Don't you hear that over and over? You always need to remind yourself of where you once were. That keeps you humble before him. When you once know, I mean, I'm not saying that you walk around like a worm. But always walk around knowing that that's who you were. Only he could change you. He could, only he could take you out of your wormness. But always remember where you came. There isn't anything that you've ever done that could take you out of your wormness. And if any time you think you don't need a Savior, guess what you are? You're a worm. You're back to your wormness. 
So he says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me, find me, if they want wisdom. What does James say? If any of you lack wisdom, oh, that's the best step. You, that's the best and first step. You realize you lack it and you, and you need it. And what does James say? All you have to do is what? Ask. Ask, and he will give it generously. Now, when you ask, you ask for it, but what does he tell you to do? He tells you, oh, okay, then uh, it's going to take a little time. It's going to take a little effort on your part. It's going to take a little self-denial. I need you to sit in that chair, and I need you to open, open this Bible. That's wisdom, and I need you, if you want it, then, then I'll, I'll show it to you. I mean, he doesn't just open up your head and say, well, there it goes. He's saying, okay, you want it well, then this is going to take some effort and work, and it's going to take a little time, but I want you to desire it so much that you're willing to say, you know, I don't need that TV program, or I don't need that, you know, I don't need to read that magazine, or whatever. You, we govern our time, and he's saying, if you, Solomon's saying, and if you know wisdom, you, if you really want her, yeah, it's going to cost you, but if you're seeking it, you can be guaranteed you'll find it. And with me, with wisdom, there's riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. And yeah, our human nature goes back to the things of this earth again, but when wisdom is talking, it has nothing to do. Riches, nothing to do with the things of this earth when you're looking at it through godly wisdom. Rich is when you are rich in Christ, when you are rich in God's spirit, rich in his character. Rich and wealth has, again, I repeat, has nothing to do with the things of this world. Prosperity. Oh, you're going to prosper for how long? Forever. You and I, as children of God, even though our bodies will die, our soul will live forever, and we will prosper. And where? In a place that's perfect, in a place that the streets are golden. You talk about prosperity. If you listen to godly wisdom, he's saying, oh, you will be rich far beyond your wildest dreams. My fruit is better than fine gold. You know, what, what fruit is it? My fruit, wisdom's fruit. When you, when you learn Galatians 5, you find out that there, is not, there are nine fruit that change your character from self-character to godly character. And you live out unconditional love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And believe it or not, wisdom says, you know, that's far better than anything of this world. When you have Christ's character coming out of you, What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the path of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. So, blessed assurance to me that bestowing, because to me that is wealth on Untold. That is wealth beyond a price tag. Bestowing blessed assurance on those who love me. I mean, what a way to live when you have taken this godly knowledge and discernment and wisdom. When you've taken it and it has become a part of you, it is an assurance. It's a great way to live. The Lord brought me forth Okay, now he's moving into, now, now Solomon wants us to see that wisdom, oh, she was, when did you start anyway? When did wisdom come into being? The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. When there was no oceans, I was given birth. When there was no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, 
I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Wisdom started before time even began. Wisdom started before the world was even even made. And then when the world was made, I mean, people, um, did you wonder, who is he talking about here? I went to Genesis 1 and 2, and I thought, oh, the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. Then I went to John chapter 1, and I read that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wisdom. I mean, if you want to, if you want to know something here, this is this is the Trinity. What, who who is wisdom? Oh, it's the Father. It's the Son. It's the Holy Spirit. Father gave out his wisdom, and when God created the God's in the three persons created this universe, but then specifically, God the Father had the wisdom to know how and what to redeem us. Jesus is wisdom because he's the word. And now we have the gift of his Holy Spirit, who Jesus said is what? What is another name for the Holy Spirit when his disciples were all shook up? Like, we can't do it without you, Jesus. If you leave us, we can't do it without you. And Jesus, oh, yes, you can. Because I'm going to give you my very spirit to live within you. And what was his name again? Comforter, counselor, best advice giver. You can count on him to give you the wisdom you need. This wisdom started way before beginning. (laughs) Now then, my son's wisdom is saying, First, I thought it was Solomon talking again, but it's still wisdom. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Listen, my daughters. Listen, blessed are those who keep my ways. Blessed are you. You should want nothing but a blessing from him because he will give what no one or nothing of this world can give you. Blessed are you if you choose to live this way. Listen to my instruction and be wise and you don't ignore it. Blessed is the man or woman who listens to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. I had to think about that. Went back and what does the first verse, second verse say? Where is wisdom calling? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she stakes, she takes her stand beside the gates leading to the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud. You know what the end of this chapter means? Okay, wisdom is right there, but guess what? You got to go to it. You got to listen to it. You've got to want it bad enough. So in other words, blessed are you if you're watching for it, you're waiting for it, you want it. Oh, it's there. But you know, this whole thing, our relationship with God is a two-way street. He has done everything that we need, but we have to do our part in accepting it. He's given us his spirit, but we've got to release it, otherwise self just quenches it. He's given us wisdom. He's given us commands and instructions and laws. He's given that because he knows we need it, but he says you have got to want it. So are you watching for it? Are you, are you listening for it? Are you waiting for it? Are you approaching it? Are you in a situation where you know wisdom is right there, and right now you're going to, let's see, uh, am I going to listen to the, me or am I going to listen to wisdom? And he's saying here, wisdom, you need to say, I choose you. And whoever finds me, finds life. I hope you underline that. If you choose, if you choose and you wait for it and you watch for it and you're desiring it and you're listening for it, when you want the spirit to really tell you in your situation which way to go, 
and you're obedient to it, if you listen and you learn and you're obedient, it says, look, at you're going to find, you're going to find life. You're going to find real life and receive favor from the Lord. And that should make you excited. Like I prayed today. When we go and live the rest of this day, and whatever we do, whatever we say, whoever we're with, what, are we, do we care if we're putting a smile on the devil's face or the Lord's face? We should be caring about that. And our choices is going to turn, determine that. We should want to receive favor from the Lord. We should want to know that that is pleased with us. But whoever fails to find me harms himself, and all who hate me love death. Boy, <laughs> wisdom is saying, okay, you don't have to listen to me. You can listen to yourself, and you can go down with it, and you can, you know, you, you just say, well, I don't want to take the time. I don't want to, I don't want to put forth the effort. I don't, I don't, I'm good enough. I'm fine, you know. He's saying, oh, do you realize if you do not, if you fail to listen, yeah, you're harming yourself, but to the point of you will, if you hate me, if you, then you, and I know that's a harsh word, and you think, yeah, I don't hate him. Well, you know what? If you don't listen to him, you're, you hate him. You don't fear him. And then he says, well, then you must love death because that's what's going to happen to you. I mean, that's a black and white, and I'm, I'm telling you, it is that uh, poignant. I mean, he's saying, okay, your choice, your call. You don't want to listen. You, you, wife's dealt you with such a hard hand, and you just, you know, you're. No, he's given you everything you need to know. He knows what life has dealt you. He, he knows what you're going through, but he also promises. But see, how are you going to know what he promised until you listen and, and learn? what his promises are, and that he will be all to you. I don't know. Uh, maybe this is a big statement, but I dare say it, because I believe for every one of his children, I believe he takes us, uh, every one of us, sometime in a different way, different time, different place, whatever. He will take every one of his children down to the bottom. Because I believe that he wants us as much as, and as painful as that is, he wants us to know that he is all we need. But we're not going to know that until he is all we have. And so, you know, we can say, oh, you're so mean, God, you know, why didn't you take it? You could have stopped it. You could have done it. And he's saying, no, you know, stop it. I'm God. You're not. And I know what I'm doing. I just need you to trust me here. And sometimes when we look at our life and he, we think this is just, this is just too much. He's, he knows how hot to get the fire. You've read that story about the silversmith. I think, Donna, you gave that to me one time. It's such a, a neat analogy, too, of silversmith. He knows how hot to make the fire. He knows how, how hot the temperature has got to be so he can mold that blob into something of worth. But he also knows that, you know, if it gets too hot, it burns. And, but our Lord knows just how hot. I know we think sometimes it's a little too hot, but he knows the temperature because he needs to remold us. And, and that's what he's got to take us down, that we lose ourselves, and we really do find he is enough. No, oh, I just love that. I mean, I, was, I, I can think of a couple instances in my own life, and I don't talk about it because you know what? I don't, I don't think that it's worth the time to tell you. I, my, the only reason I, I am who I am and I stand here is because of the yuck that I've been through, not the good. I wasn't born with a silver spoon. Oh, maybe I was, but it came out. <laughs> and I learned suffering, but I'm telling you, it was my suffering and one time in particular, you know, and like I said, I don't talk about it. I don't spend 40 minutes in a lesson telling you my sad story because I believe that I would rather spend 40 minutes telling you about a solution that he knows because we all have something. And I'd rather keep telling you in, in this hour about the solution that can help you with your something 
than spending the time telling you about mine. But what I got to tell you in mine is that I realized I could not go to anyone. And that as much as, as pain as I've ever been in, I'm telling you, I found, I went in and found out that God was all I needed and he was sufficient. And it was that, that experience that turned the corner for me. And you wonder why I'm so strong sometimes. You wonder why I get so loud and why I sometimes just seem to be so harsh. And, and I just say, you know what, but this is what it said. And why don't I sugarcoat it and soften it a little and, and just be a little nicer to you? It's because of what I learned, and I'm so sold on it that it works. And when you will find that too, in your bottom, and when you have sunk, and when you're in your desperate, and you think that God should have, and he's saying, no, I know how hot to make it. All I want you to do is just let me mold you. I got plans for you. And the mold, and you need to be remolded because in your shape right now, you're not too much good. So I need to make it hot so I can remold you. So yes, then you could be sold on it so you can, that you can not only live it, but you can be an example of, of how, you know, I, I pray, I pray, and I, this should be a concern of yours too because I know for me, I pray that when people look at me, they think, I want that. I mean, do you, you know, in your day, do people, when they watch you, because people are, your family, your neighbors, your, wherever you go, I'm not just saying, you know, admire or whatever, I'm saying in your home, are you being the kind of light in your home that people can say, your kids, your grandkids, I mean, you say, well, you know, no, no, yeah, buts, are you? Are you living this? This is what wisdom is trying to say. If you do, you will show life. But if you don't care, you must really love death because that's for you and whoever's watching you. I mean, that's a big responsibility. You know who the Lord's put us in influence over? That's a big responsibility. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. Hey, look at what, what number is that? Seven. Wisdom is a seven number, which means what? Wisdom is the complete number. It's the perfect number. Wisdom is complete. It's perfect. It's all you need. I, Ruby and I were talking. Ruby said, how come people don't want to listen? How come people don't want to listen to this? You know, that's, that's the huge question. Uh, I'm sure that the Lord wonders all the time, who would want this? Who wouldn't want to have all this instruction and this guidance and, and strength? Oh, they're turning to everything, but I'm the only one that they can turn to who can really help them find their way. You know, and if you feel like you've run out of strength because your, your life is so difficult now, you think you just run out of strength, I go back to Psalm 84. It's the psalm we started with last year, Psalm 84, and it says he will give strength upon strength. So when you think you can't endure anymore, you go to the source of godly wisdom when he said, I'll give you more. And if you do find yourself burnt out and you can't take any more and you just give up and you feel hopeless, and whose fault is it? It's our own. Hate to be that blunt and brutal, but it, when he promises, God, when godly wisdom keeps telling us that, hey, I, I'm all you need. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. So, all right, I'll finish. It says here, she has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She set out her maids, and she calls from the highest point of the city. What does that tell you? Godly wisdom, what does it tell you? It is so prepared to give you the answer that you need. It is so ready to feed you. Wisdom has done her homework. Wisdom knows and has laid out everything. Now, are you going to come or not? 
And that's exactly it. She said, now, she, let all who, is, who are simple, come, come here. She says to those who lack wisdom, come, eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. She's, she's putting out this invitation. And then I had you go to Luke 14. Uh, you know, I, I had you do it, and if you want to do it now, minute, but I, it just reminded me of the story, the parable that Jesus told. Because Jesus was having the same problem. People didn't want to listen to him. And you think, why would they want to listen to him for their salvation when, when they're lost and, and he is the way and he's the truth and he's the life? How come people don't want that? And so, you know, he tells this story, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he tells it because in verse 15, he says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, because Jesus had just been saying, I, I want you to know that this gospel is for anyone. It's for those who you think don't amount to anything, the cripple, the lame, the blind. He's saying, this, I came to save anybody who will receive And when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. In other words, he's saying, oh, blessed is that man or that woman who gets to eat at the, at the banquet of the lamb. When you study Revelation, you know that that is going to be some great banquet. And this man gets it. And he's saying, blessed are those who decided to take this invitation and, and do something with it and take it seriously and then learn and grow and, and keep maturing. And like Paul said, that we, in our innermost being, that we gain more knowledge of in depth of insight. We want more. Blessed are those who hear this gospel story and they want it and they accept it and they live for it and they live it out. And he said, they're going to be at that banquet in the kingdom of God, Jesus replied. He said, okay, let me tell you how this is going to work. The invitation goes out. A certain man was preparing a great banquet. He invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who've been invited, come for everything is now ready. Now, he's talking to the Jews. But who do you want to put it? You know, you know, I think that God's word is alive. I'm saying he's calling out to all those religious people. All those self-righteous religious people. And he's saying, you know, come for everything is ready. And then, but they all alike began to make excuses. Now there's that word, excuse. And when you look, when you listen to this, when they could be going to the unbelievable banquet, they come up with these lame. In fact, Mary was telling me, she said, did you, did you read this lesson in, in the, in the message? And I did, but I'm going to go home and read it because it, the Proverbs 8 and 9, it goes along with this Luke 14. And you know what the message calls them? blockheads. I mean, and that's pretty much, you know, and he even uses another word, you know, she said, it even said idiot. I mean, because it's, it said that the message said, that's what you are. You come up with all your fine excuses, but basically what an excuse is, is just a nice way to say, I don't want to. You know, here you got all your self, or you got the Jews who thought they were all oh, God's chosen, that's all I need, you know. And you got the self-righteous religious people that think, oh, no, you know, I, I get my money. I sit in church for an hour. And, you know, but when he says, how about it? See yourself for what you really are, a sinner. And you could be saved, though, by grace. If you no, you know what? Um, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Oh, please excuse me. Oh, th that, if it wasn't so sad, it's hilarious. This is how obnoxious you can be so drippy, you know. Oh, please excuse me. When inside your heart is saying, you think I want that? You think I need that? Nope. No, I'm very self-sufficient. 
Another one will say, oh, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my, on my way to try them out. Oh, please excuse me. Oh, I'm too busy right now. Oh, I just got a, a new uh, new snowmobile. Oh, we just got a new batch of snow. I, um, oh, I just got a, a new uh, wave runner. Oh, I got to try it out. I, guess, you know. I mean, you could put a lot of things in there. You think the things of this world that take our time, that take our attention, that take our priorities... And that's what he's saying. Oh, oh you, you don't have time? Oh, you're too busy? I mean, this is the best thing that you've ever could possibly receive, and you're, and you're passing it off because of a, of a snow, snowmobile or whatever you want to put in there. I mean, when I put it like that, you think, boy, that's kind of ridiculous thinking, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I couldn't figure this one out. Still another said, um... I just got married, so I can't come. I'm thinking, well, take him along. I mean, you know, I just, I couldn't quite figure that out. But it's in the, it's in the same connotation that, you know, no, I'd rather do what I want to do. That's the bottom line. No, I want to do, I want my priorities to stay these priorities and not. So the servant came back, reported this to the master, and the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quick in the streets and the alleys of town and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. Just go out there and get anyone. There was still room. So the, the, he said, sir, what you've ordered is done. There's still room. The master said, go out on the roads and the country lanes. Make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, I'm sorry, but that, that is brutal. And you know what I put in my Bible right there? Matthew 7.21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter God's kingdom. Only those who want to do the will of of the Father. That means they've made it real and their life was changed and the emphasis became about him instead of themselves. That's going to be some rude awakening someday. That's just right out of Jesus' mouth. Seven, Matthew 7, 21. You think of all those invited guests, all those who sat and heard the invitation at church week after week, all those who, you know, gave their money and all that kind of thing and he's going to say, you know, can't place you. Because it's only when you come to the cross of Jesus does all that change and he summons us by name and we belong to him. Back to Proverbs. Look at how we see about, we see in verse 6. He says, um, leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. That, here's your first step. When the invitation is given, you just don't poo-poo it. You, this is, here's the first instruction. You leave your simple ways and you will live. You will say, you know what? I've got to hear this. I have to know this. I've got to live this. Walk in the way of understanding. So verse 6 is your first instruction. Okay, what voice are you going to listen to? What invitation are you going to accept? The one from him or the one from your own self? Verse 7, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. You know what? Wisdom is saying, you know what? Not everybody's going to buy it. There's going to be some that just, no matter how we, Ruby and I were saying, I don't know how anybody could not want this. There's going to be some, and Jesus knew it. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. That's kind of a, an instruction of tests. Let's see. Are you, uh, do you really have wisdom or not? If you're a wise person, you're going to, if someone comes along and, and needs to correct you or down deep, yeah, it hurts and you don't want to think that they need to correct you. But you know what? A wise person knows that they need it. All of us have rough edges that need to be corrected. And so a wise person is going to say, you know what, I didn't need that. I needed a reminder. 
I needed someone to remind me of, yes, what I knew, but I'd stepped aside and self got in the way, and I thought I needed other things and other people. When you, dear, realize that, yes, sometimes someone loves you enough and has to correct you, but if you, if you hate it and if you get mad and that's what he said, a, a mocker, one, do not rebuke a mocker. He'll hate you. He'll hate you. He, that, there's the test. Do you, how do you receive correction? How, how do you receive this truth? You may remember in the Gospels, there was a group of people when Jesus was starting to get a little close, when things were getting, you know, sometimes the truth of God's word can move. It's not always comfortable. And sometimes it, it kind of opens up a new area of your heart that you didn't ever want to go there or that you thought you'd uh, hidden it pretty good. And he starts exposing it. You've got one of two choices. Let's see. Um, no, thanks. And Jesus said to the crowd that was starting to leave, how come you're leaving? Oh, it's too hard for me. Jesus says, no, it's not too hard. You just don't want it. You don't want to do it. But those of you who say, you know what? This is hard, and it is exposing me, but it's good. I needed this because I want to become more and more Christ-like. I want to see less and less of my old self. Look at it. verse 9. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. So I don't care. When you finish this course on Proverbs and Romans, any of you going to say, well, I guess I know it all now. I don't need to come back in the fall. Got it down. No, that verse just corners right back in and says, you know what? You'd never know enough. And a wise person knows that they can always build. This is a treasure chest of learning, and the more you dig, the more you find. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You keep God in his place, and you stay humble before him. You know, you are only going to gain more wisdom, and you are going to gain more knowledge and understanding. For through me, your days will be many, and your years will be added to your life. Again, it doesn't have to do with a timetable or years the way we know years. It has to do with living right and, and living safe. You know, there is no one or nothing that could separate you from God's love, and there's nothing or anything of this world that could snatch you from your Father's hand. Now, that's, that's living right. That's living good. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. So, again, bottom line, if, you're, if you take this wisdom and you desire it and you take the time and, and you make the effort and you change and become more Christ-like, your reward, I can't even begin to tell you what your reward is going to be because I don't even know. It's way more than human comprehension. Just hearing Jesus say to you and say to me, oh, well done. I gave you a tough job. But you did it. You kept, you sought my wisdom, you obeyed it, and you lived a life of victory. And I say, well done. I knew I could count on you. I gave you the tools, and you picked them up, and you learned how to use them, and you did it. Well done. There's your reward. But then look, if you're a mocker, if you, no, no, you alone suffer. I mean, you know, hell's a real place. And, and those kids who say, well, I'm gonna, I don't want to go to heaven. That's boring. Hell, I, that's where all my friends are going. That's where I'm heading. And that nonsense, that's scary, that's ridiculous. Being separated from God, living in darkness, living in absolute alone. Separated from friends and most of all from Jesus. I mean, that, you know... If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. Okay, then finally look at the woman folly. Okay, she's it's a woman too. So, you know, you've got wisdom and you've got folly. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. Oh, no, she never has time, so she's just undisciplined. She does what she wants, what she wants, and how she wants. She's about as simple as they come because she chose to plug her ears. She's without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city. I thought, where did I read that before? Oh, that's right. It's where wisdom sits. Chapter 8, verse 2. 
On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gates leading into the city. I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, well, that's when I knew that wisdom is sitting there and folly. They're in the same place. Calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way. And, you know, that's the, the picture of that. That's life's journey. Everybody's moving. Everybody's moving along on life's journey. And you have got wisdom right there, and you've got folly right there. And folly, if you don't have godly wisdom, oh, man, is folly, does she ever know how to appeal to that addiction? Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. I mean, this is how wisdom is closing her speech. This is, the, this is wisdom talking, and this is how Solomon, he, he winds this part of, of talking wisdom. This is how he ends it. This is the last words of wisdom talking. Just know that, that folly is right there, too, and folly is going to appease your flesh, and folly will be grabbed by you if you do not know the wisdom of God. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. See, look at Folly does. She steals water and she has hidden Hidden food and secret. Look, look what happens in chapter 9, verse 2. She's prepared her meat and mixed her wine, and she's got everything ready. She has gotten, she has taken the time, made the effort, and, but you know, Folly didn't want to take the time. Folly, Folly, you know, she was too busy. She was too concerned, too consumed with her own self. And so what does she have to do for a meal with all their people? Well, she's got to steal it. But little do they know, <laughs> little do they know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of the grave. I think, I think wisdom ends like this, and I think Solomon wants it ended like this when he talks to his sons like that. I think he ends like the, in a blunt statement like that, and because he, he says, okay, now it's all up to you. And if you choose folly, you are making one grave mistake. And you might think it's fun and games for now, but you and all the guests, all that are buying into that, are in the depths of the grave. So, it's complicated. What do you want to learn? What do you want to know? What do you want to live by? Hmm. Have a good week.